Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8:30, 9:10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, good morning and happy Easter. What a glorious morning it is. Would you open your Bibles or uh, follow along in front of me as we go to the Word of God this morning and we read uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. Hear now the Word of the Lord. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Almighty God, we thank you for this, your word. Lord Jesus, this is your day, your victory, and it's your light that shines down on us in love and grace. May the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you're thinking, oh no, he read the wrong passage. (laughs) We'll see. Well, we've had a great privilege as a church to host over the last few weeks this collection of artwork all surrounding this story, the parable of the prodigal son. And I even contributed a piece. (laughs) Not bad. No, you're right, that's Rembrandt. Uh, But I did feel compelled to add something to the collection. I think you're missing the power of the perspective here. Look at the older son back there with the baseball cap on. Yeah. 
Uh, we've uh, been privileged to be, be dwelling in this story. And, um, you know, if you put anything under a nice enough frame, it, it looks valuable. So uh, I'm going to have to get a pretty nice frame. You have to watch out in the art world for forgery. I'm not worried about my piece, but in the, but in the art world, you know, around this world, there are thousands of fake Rembrandts. And you have to watch out for the fake stuff. You have to watch out for the forgery. But you know what? Right out that door, there's a Rembrandt, and that Rembrandt is real. That's the real deal. And what we celebrate this morning is no fake and no forgery. This is the real deal. This is truly the real deal. Jesus really came. Jesus really died. And Jesus really rose from the dead. Everyone surrounding the life and death of resurrection of Jesus had to confess, they had to admit that they had seen Jesus well after he had very publicly died. This wasn't a a dream, this was an event. It wasn't wish fulfillment, in fact, it was very inconvenient for them. They had to profess that they saw the empty tomb and they saw Jesus after he had very publicly died. In fact, uh, the Christians who, who professed this, they were oppressed and persecuted for believing this fact, but they could say nothing else. I saw him. There he was. This was a true event. Jesus died on the cross on our behalf. And if it's real, you see, what the people came to understand was that this news, this truth, is the greatest news. It's the greatest of all truths because what it means is that God accepted the sacrifice that Jesus, his son, made on our behalf on the cross. What it means is if Jesus lives after death, then so can you and so can I because we can be forgiven of our sins in his name. The entire New Testament is based on this. This is the foundation of Christianity. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. This is no fake. It's real. And he really has plans for your life. He has plans to get you from where you are to the unstoppable feast of the Father. We might think that what happened on Easter morning doesn't have much to do with our lives. We might think it was a nice thing that happened a long time ago. It doesn't have anything to do with me, but here's the thing. Listen, here's the thing. If you truly understand this, if you truly get this, if you truly understand what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, his son, through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son, if you will really get this this morning, and take it to heart, you will have such a foundation of peace and joy and eternal life. You will know such peace. Your life will never be the same. Jesus rescued us from a life worse than death and turned our death into eternal life. That's what I want you to see this morning. And we're going to learn that in the parable of the prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son is one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. This little story changed the world. I'm not kidding. 
More artwork was inspired by this story than by any ancient tale told in all of human history. Uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky was inspired to write the brothers Karamazov, thinking about this story. Soren Kierkegaard developed existentialism, just thinking about this tale that Jesus told. Uh, Painters made paintings, poets wrote poems, potters threw pots. Musicians made music, all because of this, this little story. Iron Maiden, the Rolling Stones, and Kid Rock all have songs called The Prodigal Son. Now, if Kid Rock can get it, (laughs) isn't there hope for us? Is there hope for you and me? Maybe there's something to learn here. Maybe there is something to learn from this story about God's incredible love and just what he's willing to do to get us home. Jesus' story went like this. A father had two sons. A younger son decided to leave the home. And so he asked his father, give me my inheritance, what I would receive after you died. A huge insult. But the father does it. He gives him the money. And off goes the young son. And he squanders all of that wealth in loose living. When he hits rock bottom, he decides to come back home. And as he's traveling back home, his father sees him. And he gets up and he runs to him. He embraces him. He kisses him. He throws a a robe around him, puts a ring on his finger, and restores him to his place in the family. But the older brother, the older brother's angry. The older brother feels wronged. And so the father gets up and and goes out of the banquet and greets the, the older brother and says, please, please come in. And then we don't get the end of the story. We don't know. Can the older brother get over his resentment, his bitterness? Can the older brother celebrate his younger brother coming home and and enter the joy of the father? We don't know. And that's how all of us are with God in one way or another. Which one are you this morning? Which one are you? Are you the younger son demanding what he wants and going bankrupt, chasing your own desires? Or are you the older son working your fingers to the bone for what you want? and always coming up a little short? Or are you the father? Each of us at some point in our lives, we get to be the father to somebody else, offering forgiveness, grace, where it isn't deserved. Which one are you before the Lord this morning? You know, the the father isn't a victim. The father decides. The father decides to give the money to the younger son. He didn't have to. The father decides not to disown his disobedient son. That would have been cleaner, but he decides to keep the door open, the possibility that his son might come home. The father decides to run out and greet his son and embrace him and kiss him, a very embarrassing thing to do, but he decides to do it. He decides to restore the son, to sacrifice the fattened calf, to have the great celebration. He decides to do these things. And then he decides to leave the banquet and to go out and to entreat, to beg the older son to come in. Again, a very embarrassing thing to do, but he decides to do it. I don't care. 
I'll do it. I'll take on the shame. I'll take on the sacrifice. I want to do this thing. Why? Why? It's because the Father has a plan. The Father has a a goal. The Father has a vision. He can see His children at home with Him around the table, and He won't let anything keep that from happening. He won't let anything stop it, not even our disobedience. God the Father has a plan to bring you home to His unstoppable feast, and He will not allow anything to stop that plan from coming about. Here's what I want us to see this morning. God the Father won't let anything keep him from getting us to the unstoppable feast. He has a plan. We have, uh, we have four kids, and you learn a lot. And I've learned that there are two ways to have a birthday party for your kids. There's the, there's the planned birthday party, and there's the last minute birthday party. And if it's last minute, watch out. One time we were uh, behind the eight ball and so we had to get a birthday party together for one of our kids very quickly. So we called the local bowling alley. Said, oh yeah, yeah, we can do everything for you, no problem. So we started making all these last minute decisions. Oh, we need a cake, oh, they can do the cake. Oh, we need pizza, well, they can do pizza. What about the parents? Oh yeah, the parents, uh, they can bowl. The kid, the brothers and sisters, they can all bowl, sure. Well, we need uh, drinks, we need cups, we need plates, we need balloons, we need tokens for the games, we need all this stuff. The final bill (laughs) was (laughs) $14,000. I mean, it was close to that. I don't remember the exact number, (laughs) but it felt. From then on, we went with planned. God the Father, God the Father in heaven is the Father who has a plan. He has a plan. He has a goal. He has an end in mind. And Easter is the celebration that the plan worked. The whole thing worked. Everything played out just as it needed to do. Jesus rescued us from a life worse than death to turn our death into life, and the party is on. The feast is guaranteed. There's no stopping it. There's now no question. For all who follow him, we are going to the unstoppable feast. And how did he do it? I want us to see this morning as we celebrate the empty tomb, the victory of Jesus over the grave, I want us to see that this story, the parable of the prodigal son, this famous story, this is an Easter story. This is a salvation story. Story. This is the story on which all of Christianity is based, the story of Jesus and how he saved our souls. This is a story of salvation. And how it plays out is this. Jesus became the younger son for us so that we could come home to the Father. Jesus became the younger son for us, so we could get home to the Father. He rescued us from a life worse than death to turn our death into life. Jesus, you see, Jesus was not a disobedient son. 
but he became one on our behalf. He followed the tracks of disobedience because he knew we could not get home from where we were. And so it's Jesus. It's Jesus who is the one who left his family, left all he had. Do you see? He's, Jesus is the one who got up from the Father and went to the far country. As the scripture says, he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. Jesus, who was God, Jesus, who is God, he made himself nothing to be one with us. We were lost in the far country like the younger son, running out of resources, chasing our foolish desires, running out of time. And Jesus got up and went to the far country, far from home. See, the younger son became unclean out there. Keeping pigs was unclean. Denying your father like that, that was awful. That, that was a sin. It was unforgivable in most people's minds. Unforgivable. And Jesus went to become the younger son. He took our sins upon himself. He didn't have to, but he did. Jesus, who is God, Jesus through whom and for whom all things were made, Jesus made himself nothing so that you and I could be something by his love. Jesus went to the far country, took our place, became unclean, and then turned to face the consequences. Jesus then turned to face the penalty of disobedience. And the penalty was death. You see, here's the difference. The younger son in the story, he never pays what's owed. He never does. It's because Jesus paid it all. When Jesus turned from the far country to pay the consequences of disobedience, Jesus paid it all. He was arrested, he was unjustly accused, he was beaten, he was humiliated, and he was hung on a cross of wood to die. His blood poured out. He paid it all on our behalf. He became the disobedient son on our behalf so that we would not have to pay the penalty the younger son owed because we couldn't pay it. How could we pay it? We had no hope and so he became our hope. He did it on our behalf and he hung there. And when he died, they took his body down and they wrapped it up and they laid it in a stone tomb they rolled a stone in front of it, sealed it, set Roman guards to keep the mourners away, and there he lay, dead. But on Easter morning, life returned. Breath rushed into his lungs again, and Jesus rose 
from the dead. The power of God blew the stone away from the mouth of the tomb and Jesus walked out of there alive. And can you see the Father in this moment? Can you see the face of the Father? His Son is coming home. He sees Him walking home. Jesus, my Son, was in the far country and He's walking toward me. And God the Father was overwhelmed with joy. He rushed toward His Son. He embraced Him. He threw the robe of eternal victory around Him. He put the ring of victory on His fingers. My Son, Jesus, is is home. He's back. He did it. Salvation has been won this day. And now all who call on his name, any who will follow in his path and trust in him, are coming home with him to the eternal feast. My son Jesus has done it. Ring the gongs, ring the bells, light the fires, start the party, begin the music, angels start singing, cherubim start dancing. My son, Jesus Christ, my son, took on the death of the whole world and won. And now all who believe in him, now all who want to follow in his train, now all who want to call on his name, there's no death for them. There's no far country for them to die in. They follow the path home. They follow the path home. And they are welcomed forever and ever from death to life forever and ever. Amen. Jesus rescued us from a life worse than death, from a life worse than death, and he turned our death into eternal life, into eternal life. It's true, it's real, it's for all of us. It's for all who would call on him from anywhere, from any background, Jesus has made a path home. I was in uh, Egypt a couple months ago we were on mission there, and we were worshiping with little church plants scattered around Cairo. And we went on a Thursday night to, to one of these church plants that met rented in some rented space of a car dealership, and that one, that one moved me. We drove out there in the dark, and as we were driving out there, they said, you know, this is an area that's known for Islamic extremism. And you know how Christians are targeted in Egypt. And there were guards at the gates and, but when we got inside, when worship began, holy cow, you want to be there. So pure, so passionate, so full of the Spirit of God. I was humbled to preach that church, to try to encourage that church. We got back home and one of our, uh, our missionaries, Steve Hood, was processing, praying with the Lord, thinking about the things that he'd seen. He wrote some things down in his journal. He said, Lord, uh, these were my favorite things. Thank you for letting me experience these things. And then kind of on a whim, he kind of flipped it around and, and just said, Lord, what were your favorite things? And Steve heard from the Lord. You know, not, not a voice necessarily, just that way that you hear from the Lord. You know he's speaking to him. And the Lord said to him, Worship. 
I love when my children are so gathered up in my love that the whole world fades away and they're free. Worship. Outside a violent, dark world, an angry, hateful world, but in here, in the arms of the Father, in the embrace of the Father God, love, joy, peace, everlasting and eternal life, the joy of the Father. Jesus rescued us from a life worse than death to turn our death into eternal life and you can taste that right now. It's present right now. He went there for us, not by accident, on purpose. He knew we could not get home from where we were. Jesus became the disobedient son for us so that we could be named children of God by faith in him. Jesus has opened the way of eternal life. This is real, this is no forgery, this is no fake. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus went to the grave for you. Jesus rose from the dead for you. And by faith in him, you can know the eternal embrace of the Father. Follow Jesus home back from where you are. Follow the Son home to the Father. Jesus has beaten a path down for you to get home, home from wherever you are, home to the unstoppable feast. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.